Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everyone. My name is Patrick. I'm just an ordinary guy from an ordinary family, but my surname that is something. It has been the source of my troubles and stress for many years. Some would say that many people have even worse surnames than mine. I agree, but that's not helping me at all. My surname is Big Deer. Yes, exactly. You heard right. It seems that nothing is wrong about it, right? But the fact is that I don't look like a big deer at all. More like a very small deer. Since childhood, I've been a head shorter than all my peers. And as far as my surname, it's rather unusual. Then after someone pronounces it out loud, people usually look around to see a guy with such a dominant surname. At that, everyone expects to see a strong hero, but instead they see me, a short and slender Patrick, who looks more like a young deer than a big deer. In kindergarten and in junior high school, children mocked me because of my surname mercilessly. I've been called a lot of things then, like baby deer, antlerness deer or deer man. I couldn't do anything about it. And sometimes I just wanted to be invisible so that no one would see me, pay attention to me or call me bad names. At that, I had absolutely no one beside me to share my feelings about this. I had no friends and I didn't want to upset my parents. So I had been left on my own with my problems, which were like heavy stones in my pockets. My only joy was the guitar. When I played melodies that I had composed myself, I used to forget about everything in this world. In such moments, only me and my guitar existed. I like to imagine that one day I would conquer the big stage and my music would be heard from the radio. Once, there was a talent contest at my school and I was invited to take part in it. I had to go on stage and play one of my songs there. I had been preparing for this concert for a month, honing my skills day after day. And finally, that day had come. I was standing behind the curtains and the contest presenter announced my name and surname after which I had to go on stage. But as soon as the presenter spoke my surname, I heard a quiet chuckle among the spectators. So I went on stage with my guitar and the audience just burst out laughing. I heard the replicas like, ha ha, big deer, no way. He's not a big deer. He's just a Bambi and so on from all sides. I was so confused that I grabbed the guitar and ran away. After this incident, I didn't want to play the guitar in public anymore. I also decided that it was time to change something in my life. I began attending trainings in karate in order to fight back my offenders. 
As can be seen from the above, I joined a karate club at the age of nine. We had a very professional coach in our club. He was like a father to all of us. The coach not only taught us various methods of struggle, but also the ways to withstand a psychological warfare from the enemy. Thanks to him, I believed in myself and realized that no one had the right to offend me. After I joined the karate club, my whole life changed dramatically. I no longer allowed anyone to offend me. Of course, for this, I had to gain authority with my fists. But as a result, everyone knew that they couldn't just provoke me anymore and that they had to take responsibility for their words and actions. Generally, it seemed to me that things got better and my surname no longer caused me any discomfort. I even somehow stopped paying attention to it. But then I had to remember about it again very soon. My friend David told me about a new talent contest. The first prize was some amount of money. I wanted to take part in it in order to prove myself and maybe even win a first prize. I had been preparing for about a month again, spending a lot of time with a guitar in my room. When the day of the contest came, I worried a little remembering about the first bad experience on the stage in my childhood. Of course, it was a long time ago, but still, that experience left an incredible impression on me. But it happened again. My surname was announced. I went to the stage and faced deja vu. I looked at the spectators and saw that many of them were laughing quietly because of the discrepancy of my appearance and the surname. It became hard to breathe for me, and I turned from a 15-year-old teenager into a little boy again. I was struggling to gather myself and start playing, but I just couldn't. It was a complete failure. I left the stage, and all I wanted that moment was to just beat my head against the wall. David was waiting for me behind the scene. He was also upset because of my failure. He patted me on the back and said he was sorry. He also added that he knew about my talent and believed that I would become a great musician. I was pleased to have his support, but I still felt like I was not worth very much. And I wanted to become invisible again. And you know what the worst thing was? I dedicated this music to the girl I really liked. She was among the spectators. I wanted to play my song and in the end to say that this music was dedicated to her. I wanted to think that this would melt her heart towards me and she would finally pay me some attention. But this girl also laughed at me and her laugh was the loudest in the hall, or so it seemed to me. In the evening of the same day, I was sitting in my room playing my guitar. Different thoughts had been dancing around my head. From this flurry of speculation, I understood one thing. If my surname brings me so many troubles, why not change it? For example, my mother's maiden surname was Simpson, so I could take it instead of mine. No one would pay attention to me with such a simple surname, and besides, it fit the sound of my name, Patrick Simpson. Sounds great, doesn't it? It seemed to me that after getting rid of my hated surname, I would get rid of all the problems at once. Just how do I tell this to my parents? I mean, I cannot do anything without their help since I am a non-adult. When I informed my mom about my decision, she looked at me in surprise and asked why. I told her that my surname was very inconvenient to me and that I felt insecure because of it. Good, mom said. 
I understand you, but your grandmother will be very upset. I want you to tell her about this yourself. We're going to visit her on the weekend. On Saturday morning, my parents and I got into the car and went to a neighboring city to visit my grandmother. All the way, I thought about the upcoming conversation. As always, my grandmother met us with a delicious poppy seed cake. After tea, I sat beside her and spoke about my decision. I explained that the surname had brought me psychological problems and that I couldn't perform on stage because of it. My grandmother listened to me without a word and then offered to inform me about the origin of our surname. And then I did not believe my ears. It turned out that my surname came from our ancestor, whose name was Francis Big Deer. He lived about 150 years ago. Francis Big Deer was the leader of a local gang that kept the whole city at bay. A gang led by my ancestor Francis maintained order and justice in the city, so he was a greatly respected man. Francis got such a byname for being a big and powerful man. He was about seven feet tall and weighed more than 220 pounds. Well, Yes, I obviously was different from my ancestors on the father's side. Grandma told me that this surname had always been the pride of the family because it is not just a surname. It has its own story and some kind of its own spirit. Grandma also said that I should be proud of my surname because we got it from a legendary ancestor. When we said goodbye to my grandma, she added that she would not ask me to change my decision but still, I had to think very carefully about it. In the evening, I began to search for some information about my ancestor on the internet. There were not many facts, but I still found something. Being very fascinated by a journey into the past, I fell asleep. I saw that same ancestor in my dream. He was dressed in fancy clothes, like a cowboy from the movies. Francis came up to me and looked at me severely. It made me very scared. It seemed that he was unhappy about something. I extended my hand to Francis and wanted to say something to him, but he disappeared and I woke up. I sat on the bed and thought about my dream for a while. It seemed that my dream was some kind of sign for me. In short, I decided not to change the surname of my famous ancestor, but try to find the positive points in it instead. And, you know, I succeeded. At first, it was not easy. For example, when a teacher called me to answer the home task, I got up and heard snickering behind my back. But at that moment, I remembered about my ancestor Francis, squared my shoulders, and proudly went to the board. When I started to answer confidently, the chuckles stopped. My classmates just started to listen to my answer. You know what I realized? If you change your attitude to the situation, then everything can change too. When I stopped focusing on the reactions of people to my surname, it turned out that many of them absolutely did not care about it. Previously, I took all the chuckles behind my back personally, then screwed myself up. But in fact, people just talked about completely other things and laughed to each other, not paying attention to me. I believe that one of my greatest recent achievements was that I finally made myself go on stage and play the guitar there. After my performance, I got standing ovations from the whole audience. It sent chills of delight up my spine.
and I thanked Francis the Big Deer for his surname and everything else. So there I was, at this swanky restaurant, all geared up for my blind date. You're gonna have a great time, my friend had assured me. Just relax, Ethan. But as I waited at the table, my heart wasn't in it. I hadn't signed up for this circus of dating, but then again, it was high time I at least tried to have a normal life. Just as I was contemplating escaping through the kitchen, I heard a voice that sent chills down my spine. It was raspy, tinged with the faintest hint of something vaguely familiar, something that made my stomach twist. Ethan, I looked up and froze. There she was, Amelia, the woman I'd loved, the woman who killed me in another life, looking as radiant as the day I'd last seen her. Amelia, what are you doing here? I'm your date. Surprised? That's an understatement, I muttered, trying to keep my tone light. But I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. A blind date with Amelia. So, Ethan, tell me about yourself. Oh, there's not much to tell, really. Just your average guy making a living. And relationships. How do you feel about them? Depends on the relationship. For instance, how do you feel about dating someone while you're already in a relationship? I beg your pardon. I mean, isn't Ashton your boyfriend? He is, but he... But he doesn't pay attention to me. And that justifies cheating? No, it doesn't. But it's complicated. Isn't it always? I think it's better if we end this here, Amelia. Wait, Ethan, I... No, Amelia, you should go back to Ashton. Or maybe find someone else. Someone who actually deserves you. With that, I walked out of the restaurant, leaving her behind. And as I walked, my heart pounded with a new resolution. I would take down Ashton. Not just for me, but for Amelia as well. Ethan? Claire's voice resonated with an unforeseen gravitas as I picked up the phone. Mom, what's up? We need to talk about your position in the Sullivan Empire. You know I'm just an investor, right? Ashton is the one gearing up to take over. I'm aware, but I've been keeping tabs on you, Ethan. I see potential, resilience, qualities that this empire needs. What do you mean? Ethan, I've decided to transfer a portion of my shares in the company to you. Ashton? Ashton had his chance. It's time we explore other options. The survival of our investments, our legacy, depends on it. Dumbstruck, I scrambled to process the gravity of her words. This was a game changer. Thank you, Mom. I'll, I'll do my best. I believe in you, Ethan. Make us proud. With that, the call ended. The revelation hit me like a bolt of lightning. I wasn't merely an investor anymore. I was a substantial shareholder in the Sullivan Empire, with enough clout to challenge Ashton. The prospect was daunting, yet exhilarating. I could almost see the storm brewing, ready to sweep Ashton off his feet. He had no inkling of what was coming his way. It was time for a change, and I was at the helm of it. Man, have you heard the latest stock report? Brad, now my best friend and confidant, called me up one morning, his voice teetering between excitement and disbelief. Why, what happened? I asked, attempting to hide the amusement in my voice. By now, my carefully calculated moves were starting to yield results. Sullivan Empire shares! They're soaring, Ethan! It's like someone just pumped a whole lot of life into that sinking ship! That's interesting. You don't understand, Ethan! This is massive! Whoever is behind this, they've practically taken over the Empire! All the major decisions now, they're being made by this, this unknown entity. With a smirk, I leaned back in my chair, letting the silence linger between us. The pieces of the puzzle were finally falling into place. But isn't Ashton? Ashton had a shot, man, and he blew it. Spectacularly, I might add.
But Ethan, that, that would mean you? Right in the bullseye, old friend. I'm now the new power player of the Sullivan Empire. You're, you're incredible, Ethan. You did it. You really did it. Still a long way to go, Brad. But the ship's course has been corrected. In Ashton, he's gonna get a taste of his own medicine. I'm with you all the way, Ethan. Ashton won't know what hit him. I ended the call. A newfound determination stirring within me. My past life as Mason, a cog in the wheel of the Sullivan Empire, now seemed like a distant memory. Claire and I, as substantial shareholders, had taken the reins, and with my strategic planning, the Sullivan Empire was finally seeing a resurgence. It felt good. Not just the power and wealth, but the vindication. I'd returned as a powerful CEO. The empire almost within my grasp. The once dismissive glances in the boardroom were now replaced by looks of respect. And Ashton, his unease was palpable. His position threatened. The prodigal son was finally home. And the reckoning was only just beginning. Listen, Ashton, I understand there's been some misunderstandings lately. Is that what you call it, Ethan? I've been hearing quite a lot about you lately. Really? I'm flattered. Sarcasm doesn't suit you, Ethan. This isn't a game. This is business. You've been disrupting the chain of command. I disagree, Ashton. I think I've been... improving things. Don't you find it a little more exciting now? Exciting isn't what I'd call it. You're turning the company upside down. And for what? To prove a point? No, Ashton. I'm not here to prove a point. I'm here to make a difference. A difference you've been unable to make all these years. The line went silent for a moment, air thick with tension. Watch your tone, Ethan. This isn't some petty squabble. You're playing with fire. And you've been sitting on a powder keg. You've been comfortable for too long, Ashton. Maybe it's time someone stirred the pot. Is that a threat? No, Ashton. It's a promise. See, while you've been sitting on your ivory tower, I've been doing what's needed. And the funny thing is, your loyal staff, they seem to prefer my leadership. You're a snake, Ethan. But remember, you're playing in my territory. No, Ashton. I believe it's your relatives who are playing in my territory now. The ones who thought they could simply discard me? Funny how things turn out, isn't it? The silence that followed was almost deafening, but the satisfaction I felt was immeasurable. Ashton and his clan, they were mere puppets now, dancing to my tune. They had thrown me out, and now, I was their boss. The hunter had become the hunted. Ashton's power was waning, and mine was just starting to rise. Listen, Ashton, there's something else you should know. Really? More tricks up your sleeve? No tricks, Ashton. Just the truth. And trust me, the truth can be far more dangerous. Get to the point, Ethan. I know about the Ethan Project. What are you talking about? Oh, you know very well what I mean. The little experiment you thought you could keep hidden? Did you really think I wouldn't find out? Ashton was silent, and I could almost feel the wheels turning in his mind. You're lying. Am I? Would you like to take that chance, Ashton? Because I'm more than willing to play this game. Remember, Ashton, every action has consequences, and it seems like it's time for you to face yours. With that, I hung up, leaving Ashton with his thoughts. The truth was out. The game had changed, and now it was my turn to lead. The phone buzzed again, this time with Brad's caller ID flashing. I answered on the first ring. Brad, we need to talk. Well, good evening to you too, Ethan. Something tells me Ashton's conversation didn't go too well. You could say that. I told you, didn't I? Snake can't change his scales. Enough with your proverbs, Brad. We need to plan our next moves. Right. Sullivan Empire. I've been doing some digging. There's a board meeting in two weeks. That's our chance. 
then that's when we'll strike. We're playing with fire here, Ethan, Brad warned. If this goes sideways, it won't. We have to be smart about this, Brad. Play our cards right. Brad sighed on the other end of the line. All right, I trust you. A hefty sigh spilled out of me as I settled into my plush office chair. Ashton's turned into a slippery eel, Brad. I can't seem to get the upper hand. That's the thing about eels. Slippery they might be, but they're still confined to their pawns. Ashton's pawn seems to be expanding by the minute. If we don't act now, we will. You know, I've been looking into the operations of the Sullivan Empire. A lot of deals, a lot of contracts. But there are a lot of weaknesses, too. Weaknesses? Yeah. You see, Ashton's been playing fast and loose with the company finances. There's a particular deal with a tech firm, suspiciously overvalued. Which one? Hawkeye Tech. Ashton's been shoving funds their way for a project that's still theoretical at best. And that's our chance. We expose the deal. Ashton's credibility is shot. The board will have no choice but to reconsider their loyalties. 100%. But Ethan, this is risky. If Ashton even sniffs that we're onto him, I know. But it's a risk we have to take. Ashton's greed is his weakness. And it's about time we exploited it. The conversation extended into the night, with Brad and me brainstorming strategies and countermeasures, hypothetical situations and potential challenges. As the minutes rolled into hours, a concrete plan started to take shape. A risky plan yes, but a plan nonetheless. I'd always known that this battle would be uphill, but tonight, it seemed like I'd found my footing. For the first time since my return, I felt in control. I leaned back in my chair, my mind whirling with the upcoming events. One thing was clear. Ashton had messed with the wrong man. And now, it was time to show him what it meant to cross paths with me. As the city skyline basked in the glow of the moon, I couldn't help but smile. The board meeting was going to be a game changer, and Ashton wouldn't know what hit him. The night was heavy with anticipation, the impending clash echoing in the silence. But as I closed my eyes, a single thought overwhelmed the rest. Ashton Sullivan, your downfall is coming. My name's Sam. I met Elise in middle school. She was our neighbor, and I'd always had a crush on her. I just never got the courage up to say hi. That day, a group of boys were picking on me, and Elise swooped in to save the day. One moment, they had me by my collar, and the next, they were crying on the floor, snot dripping down their noses. Elise was my hero. She got told off by our principal, and they had her parents come in. I could tell they were very mad at her, but that was the beginning of our friendship. Elise and I spent every day together, and then, one day, I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes. It was the happiest day in my life. But I didn't realize someone else liked her. It was one of the boys who was tormenting me, and in his jealousy, he told everyone he saw us kissing. That made Elise's parents very mad. So mad that they had a fight with my parents. They ended up moving, and I never even got to say goodbye to my childhood sweetheart. One day, she was there. The next, her whole house was empty. Many years passed and I forgot about her. I poured my soul into my work until I struck gold. Pretty much literally. I was working on my grandpa's farm when I noticed some gold nuggets in the river. I followed it all the way to a hidden cave and saw that the cave wall had collapsed and the ground had cracked exposing the gold there. A spring of water was gushing out, creating a stream that carried the loose gold all the way down the river. I became a billionaire overnight. My family enjoyed life like we never did before. 
We bought all the surrounding land around the farm and built a mansion. I built a mining company, and I bought cars, a boat, and my own jet. Three years later, my best friend came home from a job abroad with someone in tow. It was Elise. She had grown even more beautiful than before. We were so happy to see each other, we hugged immediately. I was coming home to meet you, and guess who I bumped into on the plane? I never even suspected something was off. Elise and I began dating again. We did everything together. I promised her the world. And before long, we were engaged. Jay started working for my company. I was so thankful to him I made him my right-hand man. I couldn't thank him enough for reuniting me and Elise. Two months later, I proposed to Elise, and she said yes. I was going to marry her in Switzerland. I booked an entire ski resort for our guests, and I wasted no time. We flew on my private jet with my best man Jay and our closest friends. In the middle of the flight, Elise excused herself. She said she needed to do her makeup. Five minutes later, Jay too stood up. I found that weird, but I ignored it. When 20 minutes had passed and Elise hadn't gone back yet, I asked our flight attendant to check on her. She smiled at me, and she blushed. I always found it so cute how she had a crush on me. Nicole went behind the curtain to check on Elise. She was about to knock on the bathroom door when she yelped in surprise. Elise wasn't in the bathroom at all. She was hiding right next to the fridges, talking with Jay. Oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'll get out of your way. We heard a click, and two voices came on the speakers. You know I've never loved anyone but you. I'm just... You know, securing our future. Once I marry Sam, we'll be set for life. I'll run away with his money and his jewels, and then we can disappear to any country you want. You promise? I promise, baby. I'm only marrying him for a show. I'll trick him into signing divorce papers as soon as I've got everything I can get from him. I believe you. Oh, I can't wait. And when you're free of him, I can finally make my move to take over his company, too. I have people who are loyal to me now. All right, I'll come knock at your door tonight. When he's asleep, we can go on a date under the moonlight so no one will know. I'll be expecting you. Oh, and act like we had an argument when you go out. I'll follow after a minute, so it's not too obvious. But nothing was secret about their conversation at all. The flight attendant overheard what they were talking about, and she decided she wasn't just going to smile and pretend like nothing was happening. So, she politely excused herself and very cunningly left the intercom on. I heard everything she was saying. The whole plane did. The air suddenly felt tense. Where before my friends and I were laughing and having fun, the moment Jay appeared from behind those curtains, everyone was silent. My friends all glared at him. And when Elise appeared behind him, she knew immediately something was wrong. But she tried to play it cool. Oh! Jay, I didn't even see you there. Why are you standing in the middle of the aisle? And... Why is everyone staring? I pushed the button on my seat, and the flight attendant came to me. I smiled at her. You can come sit here, Nicole. The flight attendant looked surprised at first, but she eventually sat beside me. 
She was even more beautiful up close, and her blonde hair smelled like lavender. Could you confirm, please, Nicole, that these were the two having that conversation we just heard? Nicole nodded. Conversation? What conversation? What are you talking about? There's no need to pretend. We heard you. We all heard you. Elisa's face changed from being innocent to angry. Okay, so what? Did you honestly think I'd ever fall for you? Look at you. Now look at me. You're nothing compared to me. All you're good for is money. I've been with your best friend ever since before we reunited. In fact, he was the one who told me you were rich now. It's not like you can do anything about it. You are going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. I'm just here to take what I can get before you're a homeless beggar in the streets. I just smiled. I gestured to Nicole to help me with something. Nicole, love, would you be so kind as to fetch Elise her... Uh... I mouthed the word parachute. Nicole was confused, but she nodded anyway and disappeared behind the curtain. Get me a what? I don't need anything. Honestly, just get over it already. You're toast. Elise tried to sit next to me, but I pushed her away, to the other end of the seats. What? You can't seriously be mad at me. You should be thanking me. It's a privilege you get to marry me. I laughed. There won't be a wedding, Elise. <laughs> oh, please. You're joking, right? You're gonna dump me? Me? Oh, I'm not just dumping you. I'm throwing you out of the plane. Fuel is very expensive, you see. And I just can't stand to have you waste any more of my time and money. So, I'm afraid this is your stop. Nicole appeared with the parachute. Jay looked scared. I looked at him and told him to put the chute on his girlfriend. He didn't want to, but I told him that if he wanted to keep his job and reputation, he should do everything I said. Just like that, Jay turned on Elise. He strapped the parachute on her as if his life depended on it. Elise resisted. But what could she do? No one in that plane wanted her there anymore. You're gonna regret this! Nobody's ever gonna want to date you! You think any girl would want you? Just you wait! You'll come crawling back to me! I don't think so. I took Nicole's hand and asked her if I could kiss her. Suddenly, her eyes lit up and she said yes. I kissed her right in front of Elise's shocked face. Wait! No, wait! I changed my mind! I, I, I do want to marry you! No, no, don't make me get off the plane! We can start over! No, please, don't leave me here! I don't have any money! I won't be able to get home! We're in the middle of nowhere, Sam! Sorry, you've got to go now. No, don't! And as Elise floated away, I called out to her. Who's falling now, Elise? Everyone laughed, and Nicole finally did as well. I knew the moment she started working on that jet that she had a thing for me. I just never really thought of it because I thought I was in love and happily engaged. But now? Now I get to date a much more beautiful girl than that gold digger. She was hardworking, ambitious, and smart, too. The wedding still went through. It was just postponed a few days. Not to Elise, obviously.
I married Nicole. None of our guests complained. At least, they gotta stay three days longer in that ski resort. It took a while to get Nicole's parents and friends flown over since the decision was so spontaneous. But as soon as they did, I asked for their blessing, and Nicole and I got married in the Swiss Alps. After, we spent an entire month traveling Europe. We went to Rome, then Croatia, then Norway. And honestly, I couldn't have wished for a better wife. Nicole was everything I knew she was going to be. She was caring and sweet, and she always made me laugh. The best part of the trip was when we saw a newspaper with Elise's face plastered all over it. Her hair was all sorts of a mess and had leaves and twigs all over. The headlines said that she was a lost tourist who became a meme for telling the most ridiculous story when they found her. The funniest part was that she had stupidly opened her parachute way too early, and the wind carried her hundreds of miles from where we dropped her. She ended up stuck in a tree in a forest in Liechtenstein. The people there thought she was some sort of Russian spy and refused to help her. Nobody wanted to help her get home, and they didn't want to give her a job. Now she's living under a bridge like the troll that she is. Hi, my name's Josh. I grew up poor. My mom and dad did try their best, but having had no education themselves, they found it hard to find jobs that would pay enough money to raise four kids. Dad was a janitor at our local high school, and mom did whatever work she could find. She washed people's laundry, did some babysitting, and from time to time, she would go to people's houses and clean for them. It wasn't easy having a life like that in high school, especially because most of the kids there had money. One time, a couple of girls got jealous that I won an essay writing competition over them, so they took it out on me. They just gave him the prize because he needs the money. I mean, look at his shoes. There are holes everywhere. You might as well go barefoot. Yeah... Josh lives in a trailer park. His mom does our laundry. My mom only hires her out of pity. Did you know we have to have our clothes washed twice? Because every time Josh's mom does it, it comes back smelling like poverty? I used to fight back whenever people insulted my mom and dad. But I landed in the principal's office so many times because of it that my mom begged me to just keep my head down. And I did. I just endured their ridicule no matter what. I would look at the ground and walk away. It was worse when they found out about my dad. I was backstage doing some lighting work for the theater group when I realized I'd forgotten my lunch at home. Dad appeared backstage with his mop and bucket and he handed me the brown paper bag that my sandwich was in. I thanked him and he left. But after that, my classmates laughed at me. Yo, check it out! Josh's dad is the school janitor! <laughs> wow, must be nice to have the world's worst janitor as your dad. <laughs> but you can't keep their house clean either. <sighs> What's it like to have a dad who earns minimum wage, Josh? Honestly, I was just glad to have graduated high school. I had no fond memories of those years. As soon as I graduated, I went straight to work. I promised myself I would save up and get out of that town as soon as I could. But... My plans didn't work out the way I hoped, and being a waiter isn't the most glamorous job in the world. Customers are always complaining about the most ridiculous things, and they blame me as if it was my fault. One time, this lady shouted at me for her drink being room temperature. I apologized, but she poured the drink on my head and demanded to speak to the manager. Uh, Ma'am, you told me you didn't want ice in your iced coffee. Of course, 
Coffee, being a hot beverage, if it wasn't mixed with any ice, it would be hot. I even gave her the added courtesy of shaking it with ice and then picking out the ice myself just so the drink would cool down without getting watered down. And I let the drink chill in the blast freezer just to make sure it was cold. But she sat there, outside on a hot summer's day, chatting away with her friends for a good hour before she even touched her drink. I was happy to exchange the drink for a new one, but then she started yelling at me. My manager, of course, sided with her. And he banished me to the kitchen for the day. He also took my tips for the entire day just for that. That scenario wasn't new for me either. My boss has always had it out for me ever since I started working there. And I'd quit if I had any other choice. But money was tight, and I needed the job. Our town was small, and having a job and keeping it was a privilege. All the waiters, waitresses, and cooks in that place weren't fans of Doug. That's the manager's name. We've complained constantly to the owner. But every single time we tell her that Doug was stealing our tips, or that he was pocketing money out of the cash register, we'd get ignored. It was probably because Doug was the owner's boyfriend on the side. Yep, the owner was married. And as far as we know, the only reason Doug can't be fired is because he can destroy the owner's marriage. He did whatever he liked at the restaurant. He'd come in late, treat the staff and the customers like we were trash. Some days, he didn't even bother coming in. Those were the best days. The restaurant would be full, we would all work smoothly, and we gotta keep all of our tips. But one day, everything became too much, and I finally reached my limits with Doug. I was cleaning up a table when I felt someone bump into me. And then an unholy cascade of lava splashed onto me and flowed down my leg. I screamed in pain. And when I looked back, I saw the most angelic girl that I'd ever laid eyes on. I was so confused. My eyes were experiencing heaven. And my legs were experiencing a nightmare. Oh my god. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I tried to smile at her, but all I managed was a wince of pain. Oh, <laughs> it, it's no trouble, miss. I, uh, I'm so sorry you, your drink spilled. I, I, uh, oh, I'll get you a new one right away. A crowd began to gather around us and people fussed over me. I could barely stand straight for all the pain I was feeling. But I kept a smile on and told them I was okay. Dude. You gotta go to the hospital. Or at least let us get you some first aid. There's some ointment in the back. Ah, it's really nothing. I'm fine. It's just a bit hot. Nonsense. At least let me take a look at it. I'm studying to become a doctor. It was at that moment that Doug appeared from behind the crowd, already annoyed. What is this? Who's causing a scene at my restaurant? Oh, it's you. Get back to work, all of you. You, customers, get back to your seats right now. That's not a nice way to talk to people. Oh, yeah? And who might uh, you be? Doug backtracked as soon as he saw how beautiful Kendall was. And suddenly, he was all smiles. I... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I must have gotten caught up in the moment there. Please, miss, what seems to be the problem? Maybe I can assist. You! 
Josh, what did you do this time? Kendall tried to explain that it was her fault. She told Doug that he was busy with her phone and didn't see me cleaning the tables, but Doug wouldn't hear of it. I think he wanted to impress Kendall and show her he was the boss, but it's definitely not working for her. Doug demanded that I go back to work while Kendall insisted that she wanted to take me to a hospital. When Doug wouldn't budge, Kendall told him that I should at least get some first aid and a bit of rest. I was starting to feel dizzy, but Doug insisted I go to the kitchen and make him a sandwich. boss I'm not feeling too good. Let him sit down for a bit. If you don't get up right this instant, you're fired! I don't know why I was so out of it. My legs hurt, but it wasn't that. And then I realized that I hadn't eaten for over a day, and I hadn't slept for two days either. I had been working double shifts because someone didn't show up for their shift yesterday, and Doug demanded that I fill in. I felt myself grow faint, and I woke up with beeping noises around me. I'm glad you're awake. Where... Where am I? You're at my mom's hospital. You fainted. A doctor came in who looked exactly like her, and I was shocked to find out that that was her mom. They looked like sisters. The doctor checked up on me and told me I was going to be okay, and that my stay at the hospital was free. Kendall told me that I'd been asleep for an entire day, and my stomach sank. Oh, no. My job... Kendall looked downcast. She told me that Doug fired me for missing work, and I lost hope. I had no way to help my parents, and we were already struggling to pay for my brother's tuition. I'm sorry. I... I tried to stop him, but... It's all right. Thank you. For helping me. But it's not all doom and gloom. I actually came to tell you I wanted to help. Kendall introduced me to her dad, and she gave me the best news I'd heard all month. Her dad owned the largest restaurant franchise in the state, and she convinced him to hire me. I worked hard when I was finally back on my feet. I learned quickly and adapted to my new job. I stayed late, and I was the first to get there every day. And that really impressed my manager. So, I got promoted. A few months later, Kendall's dad called me to the headquarters and told me that my talents were better used as a regional manager. He told me he wanted me to train other employees. And just like that, my life changed. I was earning so much more that I was able to send my brothers to college. And I helped my parents pay off their mortgage. After that, I managed to buy my own franchise from Kendall's dad. He was so proud of how far I'd come that at one of our company's parties, he gave me an award. Through the years, Kendall and I saw each other frequently. We started dating the night I got that award. We moved in together when my franchise won Best Restaurant in Town. My restaurant was doing so well, it put other restaurants out of business. One day, my old manager came begging me for work. I laughed in his face. Oh, you still work there? You never got promoted? Aw, so sad. But all the positions in my restaurant have been filled. 
Unless you want to apply as a janitor. Anything. Anything, please! My girlfriend kicked me out when she found a younger boyfriend. And now, I have no money! Kendall was against hiring him. But honestly, I did it for my own satisfaction. I had a lovely time ordering Doug around like he used to do with me. At the company Christmas party, Kendall's dad invited all the employees of his corporation. There must have been at least 3,000 people. I gathered you all here today not just to celebrate the holidays, but to make two very big announcements. I am stepping down as the CEO. And that's because I finally found a worthy successor. Everyone gasped. All the top managers were on the edge of their seats. I would have liked to pass this on to my daughter, but since she's following her mom's footsteps, I think it best go to Josh, since he's going to be my son-in-law soon enough. The room was shocked at the double reveal. That's right. Your new CEO, Josh Ryman, is now officially engaged to my lovely daughter. Give them a round of applause. And as the room erupted with thunderous cheer, I pulled Kendall close and kissed her. I was so proud. Just goes to show, no matter the odds, working hard always pays off. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 